expecting heaven's best. Say, I want heaven's best for my life. This is not greed. Greed is wanting something that, belong, that does not belong to you that belongs to somebody else. This is God. If you have it for me, I want it. God, if you want me to do it, I want to do it. If you want me to reach these people, I want to reach those people. Learning to discern the difference between just what our ideas and creativity or our, our passions want and what God wants for you. And for most times when you hear people preach that way, they're almost going to try to talk you into settling less than what you're wanting. I'm here to tell you that that's a complete opposite according to the word of God. That you don't settle for less when you get in God's system. You begin to see that he wants more for you than you thought was even possible. Amen. You'll begin to see things that, that are greater than, oh, wow, I didn't imagine God wanted me to be that happy. To have that much, to do that much. Are you listening to me? When you get to heaven, the Bible says that he'll wipe away the tears from your eyes. I believe that's not only because you'll see people that you could have reached not make it to heaven. But I believe God will show us all that we could have done. All that we could have been. All that we could have had. Can you imagine spending your whole life grumbling and complaining? Well, I don't know why God hasn't done yet. And then you get to heaven and God said, let me show you what I've already done and what I wanted you to have. What I wanted you to do. Who I wanted you to be. Those I wanted you to reach. Sometimes we'll spend, the devil will trap us. We'll spend all our energy in life trying to win two people in our family that God never called you to reach. Not that he hasn't called for them to be saved, but he didn't assign you the assignment to reach them. And you're banging your head in frustration. Now I'm talking to somebody. You're banging your head in frustration and saying, God, why can't I get my, my children or my grandchildren or my, my loved ones saved? Maybe you're not assigned to reach them. The Bible didn't say force it. It didn't say push it or pressure it. No, it's a call. Pray that the Lord of the harvest would send the right laborers into their path. you got to realize that you're called to reach somebody. Not everybody, but somebody. And we'll get so exhausted trying to pick the somebody that God didn't even call you to reach. No, you need to celebrate that you're in the plan of God. That the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. And he will give you words in due season to reach the right people at the right time. And begin to enjoy and rejoice. You can't force your children to serve God. You need to bring them to church, but hey, I'm trying to get them saved. They're 50 years old. If you haven't done it yet, you can't do it. Trust the Holy Spirit to do it through the right people. Trust the Lord. You say, what am I supposed to do? Not do anything? No, pray for them, but look for the people God's called you to reach. We'll walk over three people that are crying for the gospel and looking for, to get saved, only to reach people that God didn't even call us to reach out to. Sorry, I don't got time for you. I'm trying to reach somebody that doesn't want to hear the gospel. I'm sorry, I don't got time to help you. I'm trying to force to help somebody that doesn't want my help. Some of us have messed up good relationships because we try to be something in their life that God never called us to be. Okay, we'll leave it with meddling. I gotta get it. We got to get to our text. I, I, want you, I, don't, I want to free you from the entanglements of the enemy that would slow you down, hold you back, deter you, sidetrack you. Into the freedom of who God's called you to be. Into the joy of the Lord. The peace of God. Because your greatest imagination is never exceeding the plan of God for your life. I didn't say that. The Bible says that. We quote this a lot. But the Bible says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither is into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. That means you can't, you can't outthink the goodness of God for your life. You might have a great, grandiose imagination. But when you begin to say, listen, I'm going to lay my stuff down and serve him, you come out with the best deal. Yes. You'll come out with a better deal. 
The rich young ruler was not asked uh, to lay it down because riches were wrong. He, was, he had to lay it down because that was his God. Because in the Old Testament it says if you give to the poor, you lend to the Lord and he'll repay it. So Jesus was saying, are you willing to lay everything that you think is important down and follow me and watch what I'll do for your life? I'll not only bring it back into your life, I'll make it better. I'll make it without the stress that the world puts on it. Doesn't the Bible say he, it's he that gives you power to get wealth? And he adds no sorrow to it. So we'll struggle with the weight of, I'm just trying to be successful. One day, if I work 80 hours a week, maybe they'll recognize me and give me a watch. And Why do you want that watch? It's going to be out of time anyway in a few years. Don't worry about that. Let's get in God's time. And amen. I said, let's get in God's time. And is that for somebody today? Acts chapter 12, if you have your Bible, you can look to the screen. This is the New Living Translation. We read this last week. Acts chapter 12, I want to launch where we off today where we ended last week. Acts chapter 12, verse 4. Then he imprisoned him, referring to Peter, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. Say, after the Passover. Verse 5, but while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep. Say, he was sleeping. I encourage you to bring your Bibles, or if you do it digitally, have a way where you can highlight online. These are key phrases for your own personal reference as you challenge everything I or anybody says when it comes to your life and the Word of God. Amen. Amen. See, he was asleep. So fasten with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter and struck him on the side to awaken him. So not only is he asleep before he's about to die. In his worst season, he's in prison, chained between two guards. There's four different rotation of guards, four each, that they were rotating outside at the gate and some chained to him. When they're waiting to the next day, the night before, the, the next day they're going to kill him. So the day, the next day, the night before his death, and looking around, it's impossible, the man is sleeping. Yeah. I don't know about you. But I would be awake. I would be either plotting and planning, right? I mean, I would make Big Brother look like baby school in my manipulation and deals. Come on. I'd be talking to the guards. You get me out of here, and I will pay you every week, right? I, you would try everything. You would negotiate. You would, you would cry. You would threaten. You know what I mean? I got friends outside this cell, and they're going to find your, you. Know, I mean, you do whatever you think you could. You don't want to die the next day. Or at least if you're going to be spiritual about it, you would stay up and be praying, would you not? Oh, God. Oh, Jesus. You'd be praying. Peter is sleeping. He is in such a deep sleep. Have, have you ever slept and someone easily awakens you? This guy's sleeping so deeply that an angel has to smack him to wake him up. And I'll leave you alone today. And an angel has to hit him to wake him up. Right? Do you got the picture? And the angel tells him, quick, get up. Say, get up. And the chains fell off his wrist. Then the angel told him, get dressed. Say, get dressed. And he put on his sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me. And the angel ordered so Peter left the cell following the angel, but all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. They passed the first and the second guard post and came to the iron gate leading to the city, and they opened for the, and, and this, the gate, 
open for them all by itself. Everything that was impossible, God did that night. And we looked at the three things real quickly. Say, get up, get ready. And again, this is not proper English, but it works with the way we're saying these letters. Get going. Say, get going. Say, get up, get ready, get going. And we drew last, uh, last Sunday, last message, a little bit about the emphasis of why he had to wake him up. If the angel's there, why couldn't he just grab him and say, come with me? I mean, if you're going to wake up, wouldn't it be cool being waking? And you see this, the floor moving, and you're like, what's going on? And an angel's dragging you through the gates. <laughs> see, a lot of Christians, that's what we want God to do. We want God to drag us to our blessing. We want God to drag us to our healing. We want God to drag us to that miracle. We want God to drag us to our promised land. Lord, I'm not going to do anything. I want the least effort on my part, and I want you to do everything. And I promise to give you a praise. Just drag me in. And God won't do that. Some of us have been waiting for him to drag us to the next season so long, and we get frustrated, and we blame God that we're not in our promised land because he hasn't drug us into our season. But God will not drag you into your season. Why? Because he has given you this thing called choice. He will not override your will. If he would override your will, he would make everybody get saved. And if he won't make everyone get saved and live for him, he won't make everyone go to the next season that God has for him. So it is by faith we receive. It is by faith. Faith without works is dead, James says. There's something for us to do. Faith is how we receive, Hebrews 11, verse 6. It's by faith. Through faith and patience we inherit the promises of God. It's by faith. Say by faith. So there's something that just for you to believe, there's something for you to do. And he told him to get up. And then he said the the craziest thing in the natural, get get your clothes on. Why would I care to get my clothes on? I would be saying, forget the clothes, get me out of here. Right? Right? You're in prison, they're going to kill you the next day, and somehow the guards aren't paying attention. We don't know what happened to the guards chained up. I don't know if they're sleeping too, and they're in deep sleep, or they woke up and saw the angel in fake sleeping. I know I would do that. I'd be like, oh. You know what I mean? Right, come on. Or they passed out out of fear. They went, and passed out. We don't know, but they're they're not in the equation right now. But if I was Peter, I'd be like, forget the clothes. I'll buy some at Target next week. Uh, someone will I'll borrow some. I don't care about clothes. Get me out of here now. Have, am I talking to anybody? You're dealing with an impossible situation. And you're believing for a miracle. And you don't care about those things like, I need to get dressed. Just get me out of here. I don't care how I look. They'll write about me streaking in the streets if they need to. But get me out of my pit now. But the angel said, no, I need you to get ready. Man, we could go down the road of so many different things about that. Because I love it how, you know I mean, he's getting them out of there quickly. But he's like, we're going to take time to get you dressed. I believe a part of that is he's saying, we need to get you ready, not for where you're in, that situation, but where you're going to that solution. Right? I need you ready for the miracle. I need you ready for that promotion. I need you ready for to, to handle correctly that blessing. I need you ready so you can 
handle well that marriage so you don't blow up that marriage or that finances or that that position or that promotion because we all know nobody here we all know somebody who went to that next level and weren't ready for that next level and soon they found themselves not only taking two steps forward but sometimes even three steps back don't you realize we've passed those billboards and said, ooh, look at that lottery. Ooh, if I could win $750 million, I'd be so happy. No, you'd be stressed out. <laughs> Don't you realize the majority of the people that win a lottery within seven years are worse off yep. financially? Yep. There's only, I, I, in my opinion, there's only one thing worse than not winning the lottery, and that's blowing $750 million. Right. Right. And knowing that you're worse off financially. <laughs> I mean, if you thought the odds were against you winning the lottery, what do you think the odds are for you winning the lottery twice? Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I haven't figured it out statistically, but I would assume it's going to be way out there. Yeah. Why? Because people want, they know where they want to go, but they're not ready to step into it. I'm yeah. going to get you ready. Yeah. The angel said, get ready. Get your clothes on. Get ready. Get your coat on. Get ready. Because where I'm taking you, I need you ready for the solution. And a lot of times we look at God, he'll ask us to do stuff, and we're like, there's no reason for me to do that while I'm in the situation. But God's not looking just at the situation. He's looking to where he's taking you in the solution. Can I get an amen? Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Say, get up, get get ready, and get going. And they walk through the gates. The doors, they walk, they begin to walk toward closed doors. Think about that. Lord, open the doors, I'll walk through it. No, you start walking, and I'll open them when you get there. That's faith. You step out of the boat, and then we'll see what happens as God speaks to you to do it. Can I get an amen? A lot of us don't want to walk it. We want, let's be real, we want it now. I want everything, and I want it now. I don't want to walk through the process of faith and patience. I want it now. And faith is now. But there is a process. Our believing is now to get in sync with how God sees it. But in our preparation, there's a process. Have you ever heard somebody say this? You just need to take a leap of faith. We all want to take a leap of faith. We all want to take major progress with one step. But do you realize in the Bible there's no leap of faith? There's no leaping. There's no catapult. I want the airplane of faith, Jesus. I want to start here, and by tomorrow, I want to be way over there. There is no airplane of faith. You know what there is? 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7. Look at the screen. It says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We do what? We Now, that's not always the most exciting thing, but what we have to understand, the process of walking. Because God's just not trying to get something to you. He's trying to develop you so that you can handle and develop and distribute what he's bringing into your life. He's just not trying to get to your agenda. He's He's trying to build. He's just not trying to bless you just so you have blessings, but so you can also be a blessing. Someone, if someone dropped a truckload of gold and made you $750 million richer today and you've never had much money in your hands, most people don't know how to handle it because it's a tool. It's a tool. Same way for fame. 
Same way for powerful position. You, you know, history shows us that the worst dictators are people that never had to serve under someone. It's just brought, they're just automatically become the, the leader, the ruler, and they become a dictator. Why? Because they've never come up the ranks. Some of the worst leaders in history are the ones that went from nothing to leadership of great power. Some of the worst bosses you'll ever have is people that never had to go through the ranks of working for somebody. They were just handed a position of authority. Mm, that explains some of your jobs, isn't it, in your past? Why? Because they didn't develop. Someone handed them something, and they don't know how to handle it. Mm. Say it's a walk. It's part of the process. We don't like the part of the process. But the part of the process not only gets it into our hands, but hand, allows us to handle it well when we receive already what's already, when we receive what's already been provided amen. by the cross of Calvary. Can I get an amen? amen? God doesn't mind you having things. He just doesn't want things to have you. God doesn't mind you having powerful positions. He just doesn't want you to become controlled by the power, controlled by greed, or controlled by manipulation and people. But there's a process. Say there's a process. Let me give you four steps. We'll not go over them today. I'm just going to lay it out for the beginning of the thought. Four steps to your promised land. A promised land is anything that God gives you a promise in his word that's available to you through the blood of Jesus. Four steps. Four steps to your promised land. Number one, desire. Say desire. desire. Number two, direction. Say direction. Say direction. direction. Number three, determination. Say determination. determination. Number four, demonstration. Say demonstration. demonstration. Desire, direction, determination, demonstration. We'll get into that later. It's process. Process. It is a walk of faith. It is a walk of faith. Today I want to focus in the final moments the context of walking. Now, I've been with people when they're going through rehab and learning to have to learn to walk again and have to learn the cadence, the stepping. And there's a whole process. I mean, it gets really intense. We walk as we don't think about it. We started walking so long ago, we don't even think about it, how we walk. We just walk. But in walking, you have to be willing to take a step. And in the step... There is literally a place, for our case in point today, that you have to have a pause. Say pause. Pause. If you don't have a pause, you can't keep walking. As I take a step, I put the weight of my body on that step, and I'm pausing. It might be for a short time, but then I'm taking another step, and then I'm pausing for a second. Now, we don't, we don't pay attention to it. It's automatically in our gate, in our system, in our our stride. And you could draw several different things out of this. One is my future step, for me to step into my future step, I have to sometimes step away from where I've been. Right, right. Because for me to take a step, I have to take the back foot and let go of oh. where it used to be the first step. Come on. Now it's the last step. Right. It used to be where I was going. Now it's where I've been. And sometimes we don't walk through the doorway of the next season because we are so married emotionally to where we've been. And we know that God's taken us to a place of where we've been we have to let go of. 
Abraham, I want you to leave your family and your country. Why? Because I'm taking you someplace. Why can't, I, why can't I just do all these children and this whole vision, fulfillment of the promise here? Because here is not where I'm taking you. I need to take you where. It, it's a place I brought you to, but now it's a place I'm moving you from. If you stay in the place of comfort zone, then you're no longer walking, you're standing. And God still loves you, and you'll still go to heaven, and he still cares about you, but there's still other things available to you. This is not about going to heaven or hell. This is about reaching destiny, fulfilling the purpose and plan that God has for you, reaching and becoming who God wants you to become. And in the process, there's times that what used to be a new thing has now become an old thing in the method, not losing the message, but the method. And I know you did it that way before. Now I need you to let go of how you did it before so I can bring you to a place of how you haven't done it before. There's a pause that allows you to establish yourself, stabilize yourself, and position, prepare yourself for the next step. And I've seen, excuse me, I've seen in my life, because I love watching people. I got that from my dad. If I'm going to the Philippines and I'm in an airport spending a couple hours, I'll watch people. I like figuring people out. Even if I don't know, I'll make up a whole story about their life. <laughs> don't you realize the complexity of every person? We know our history. We know the good, bad, the different, the ones that dreams, the desires, the pain, the, the, the joys. Everybody has all that complexity too. And there's so many people in the world. So many people in the world. And I love to think, I wonder what's going on in their world. People are complex. And I've seen over in my life how people in this process, don't, they, they don't know how to discern the pause. If you don't know how to discern the pause, you'll find yourself going off in so many different directions. If I, if I don't discern, if I don't perceive the pause... I can have desire, but no direction. Have you ever heard somebody say this? Man, I have such a burden to do this. Man, I've got a, I've got a burden for the Philippines. And then they'll sell everything they have, and they'll move to the Philippines to minister, and the Filipinos will look at them and say, what's going on? And after 20 years of struggling, they don't know what's going on, and they didn't realize they had a, they had a desire, but God never gave them the direction. He gave them a desire for the Filipinos, but never told them to sell what they had and move to the Philippines. They just filled in the gap themselves. They didn't learn the power of the pause. And people will go off and change their livelihood, change the direction of major careers, everything based on a desire that God gives them, and God gave them that desire, but he didn't finish with them yet. He's waiting for, to get them to pause so that he could give them the direction. Right. Man, I have such a desire for the youth. Praise God. Pray for them. Fund them. But you're 82. Don't get involved with them. Are you, are you with me? Man, God's given me a burden. I have such a desire, burden from my boss. I feel, I great. 
Pray for them, but don't interrupt them in a, in a leadership meeting to go over and put your hands on their forehead and say, I got a burden to pray for you. That, God never gave you that direction. That misdirection will get you fired. Am I, re- is anybody related to this? Am I, this is very practical, but I've seen this happen in the church world a lot. People are so hungry for the things of God, and God begins the process and gives them a desire. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll place his desires in your heart. Commit your works to, and commit your works to him. Trust also in him, and he'll bring it to pass. It begins with the desire. That's part of the whole thing, desire. But if I get a desire and don't wait for the direction, I will be running in circles my whole life. And God doesn't intend you to, to do that. You say, Pastor, where is that in the Bible? I'm glad you asked. I'll give you two, two examples. The first one is Samuel. Do you remember that? Samuel is a young man working in the temple. Eli is the high priest. First Samuel chapter 3. And I won't go to the verse yet, but let me give you the reference. So Samuel's working, and he's awakened one morning. Late at night, excuse me, and he hears Samuel, Samuel. Samuel wakes up, and many of you heard this verse, and he goes into Eli and says, what do you want? And Eli says, I didn't call you, go back to bed. Don't you hate when people wake you up? A couple hours after you fell asleep, on Saturday night when you got to preach the next morning? Don't wake me up. But pastor, I need prayer. I'll talk to you in the morning. No, I'm joking. Go back to bed. Samuel goes back to bed and hears again, Samuel, Samuel. And he goes to Eli. This happens three times. And on the third time, Eli figures out it's, it's not Samuel hallucinating. He's not misunderstanding. He's hearing. God is calling him, Samuel, Samuel. So he has the ability to hear God's voice. But he is yet to recognize God's voice. That's what I call a pause. So he kept going to Eli, and finally, on the third time, Eli said, this is what you need to do next. When you hear the voice of God, say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And when he did, he waited, and God began to speak. Samuel, Samuel. And now he's prepared to respond correctly. If it wasn't important, why didn't God speak the whole time? Why didn't God just wake him up and say, Samuel, Samuel, I'm about to tell you stuff that you haven't heard that's going to burn in the ears of everyone who hears it. He didn't. Why? Because Samuel had to be prepared for the next season of hearing. So he had to be prepared to respond differently. Lord, speak for your servant hears. And then God began to open up. God brought him into the next season, the next level. But it wasn't until he went through a transition time. A preparation. We don't want that many times in our natural. We just want to jump right in. God, you've given me a desire. Lord, you've given me a direction. But if we don't, don't understand, appreciate, or perceive the pause, we can get a desire and direction, but we'll mess up on the determination. Right. Or we can have the desire, direction, and be working hard at it, and not realize that there's pauses throughout the whole process. And if we don't if we don't handle it correctly, we'll find ourselves beginning to see success. And then all of a sudden, we forget God and do it on our own and leave him. Matthew 13. When the seed produces fruit, and all of a sudden it's squeezed out, and it no longer is fruitful. It's a tactic of the devil. 
He used it against Jesus. Look at all these kingdoms. I'll give them to you if you bow down. Why? He's trying to reroute him. Do what looks like to be the plan of God without God. And so you can have the desire of God. How many people have you seen where they get a desire from heaven? And it might be in a gifting. It might be in music. It might be in sports. It might be in a career. And they begin to, the way, God, show me now. I have a desire. You want me to be successful. You want me to be an impact. You want me to make a difference with the gifts you call me. Show me what to do. And they begin to walk out the direction of God. And they just don't do it one day. They keep at it. They keep at it. Because they learn that it's not overnight. It's a process. And they work hard. They just don't wait for it to fall on a left. They're putting their hands to the plow. And they're working on it. And if they don't understand the pause, they wake up one day and the devil offers them a better, what appears to be a better contract without God. And they sign their name on the dotted line and they find themselves super wealthy and famous in the secular world, in the music, in media, in sports. And one day as they come to the end of their life, they're realizing, I've wasted it. I've gained the whole world and lost my soul. Why? Because they didn't understand the power of the pause in every season of your life. The power of the pause. The power of the pause. If you don't perceive the pause, then we have desire but no direction. Directions but no determination. Determination but no demonstration. Let me give you another example. So I don't, by two or three witnesses, let everything be established, the Bible says. Power of the pause. John chapter 15, verse 15 of the Amplified. Jesus is talking and he says, I do not call you servants any longer. For the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you my friends because I have revealed, revealed to you everything that I have heard from my Father. Right? Correct? Are we all? What chapter is that? Chapter what? 1515, right? That's easy to remember. There's the same numbers. 1515. Say 1515. 1515. Okay, so John 1515. Pretty easy to remember. In John 15, verse 15. Now, the way I read the Gospels and Acts is chronologically. So chapter 16 is before or after 15? These are not difficult questions. I'm lobbing you an easy pitch. <laughs> this is only to make you look good. Swing at it, knock it out of the park, wall plank, applaud. Good job, good job, right? So is 16 after or before 15? After. after. So let's go to John chapter 16. John chapter 16, verse 12, Jesus says, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Ooh, wait a minute. But Jesus, and it wasn't written, the Bible wasn't written in chapters and verses, but let's talk like it was. Wait a minute, Jesus, chapter before, you said you've already told us everything. Now you're telling me you can't tell me everything because I'm not ready for what you have for me to hear. Interesting. Why is that important, church? Here, hear me out. Especially for those who've been saved for a long time. If we're not careful, we'll feel like, oh, I've been saved so long, I, I have passed that test. Come on. You know, I was, I, I love education. I love it. I encourage it. It gives power. But I, I don't care for tests. Or homework. That is a sadistic plot of the enemy to destroy the world. Homework. 
Nobody works 40 hours a week and then comes home at night after a 10, or eight, 10 hours and then works some more. Nobody does. Why do we make kids do that? So don't, look, don't give me on that. There's no scientific proof and evidence that homework makes a person better. And the reason I'm so emphatic about it is because I have a daughter who goes through homework. I remember in kindergarten, two hours of homework. Why does a kindergartner need two hours of homework? Why does a third grader need to know who the chief justice is? I don't know who the chief justice is. I don't think she needs to know either. Some of you, and you think that's funny, some of you don't even know what a chief justice is. Don't be laughing at me. But then when I'm trying to help her out, back to homework. See, some of us are like, ooh, I'm glad I'm done with school. I don't have to do any more tests. But this is a journey of life. This is not, I passed that before. There are some things that will keep coming back into your life. And you, you were successful then, but the Lord says, you know what? I have another level for you. See, I'm a firm believer you'll never reach completion and then float. You know what I mean? I believe that once you've fulfilled your assignment, you're going to go to heaven. So if you're breathing right now, we're all still going somewhere. We need to be learning, growing, doing, developing, reaching, helping. Can I get an amen? Well, I've been pastoring for 80 years. Well, praise God, there's still, if you're alive, there's something you need to learn, grow, do, reach, help. We'd like to go on sabbatical on tests of life or opportunities or challenges, but the reality is it's a rhythm of life. It's a rhythm of life. Jesus said, I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them yet. That means there's a pause, and I need to get you ready, because there's something on the other side. Say, there's something on the other side. Ezekiel 47 tells us this way. Ezekiel saw a vision, and an angel took him up to heaven, and he began to see this water. And you can read it on your own time, but I'll make a Greg Bruce translation. And he, he began to watch the measurement of the depth of the water. And he saw at one level, the water was ankle deep. One level, as he went deeper, knee deep. One level, waist deep. One level, so deep you couldn't walk, you had to swim. What am I telling you? That in Jesus, the best is always yet to come. Proverbs 4, the path of the righteous shines brighter and brighter yeah. until the completed day. There's so much available to each and every one of us. If we're willing to discover and realize, don't jump too quick just because you have the desire. Learn to pause and say, all right, Lord, what do you want me to do with this desire? All right, Lord, you've given me the direction. Show me how to implement this plan. Show me how to do what you've called me to do. Show me how to walk this out. All right, Lord, this thing is working. I'm beginning to see the fruit of it. Show me how to handle this. Because there's always a next level. Say, there's always a next level. There's always things that God wants us, to, uh, wants us to do, people God wants us to reach. When God showed up to Solomon and said, what do you want? And he said, listen, I just want wisdom to handle what you've already put in my hands to help your people. And God said, because you have been so, your heart's right toward my people. And part of the story is that he did a major sacrifice. So we'll talk about that another day. But I mean, it was, he was super generous. I'm going to sacrifice to God more than anybody else. Huge offering. And God shows up, what do you want? I want wisdom to manage your people. And God said, listen, because you didn't ask for fame, you didn't ask for riches, I'm going to make you so famous. Yeah. I'm going to make you so rich. The man was already rich. Right, right, right. He was already a king. Right. And when you're already a king, you know you're rich. But God said, you think you're rich. I got something better that you haven't seen yet. I'm going to do for you what you couldn't do in your best day. 
I'm going to do, there's something greater. It's just not about money. I'm talking about success. I'm talking about victory. I'm talking about anointing. I'm talking about wisdom. I'm talking about peace. I'm talking about favor. Oh, I'm a little bit happy. There's a lot more than a little bit of happy in your life available. I got, I got this much of peace. That's good, but there's so much more peace available to you. I just don't want peace so I sleep good at night. I want so much peace that when I walk in, it changes the atmosphere. I, I just don't want, so, I don't want enough of joy that I can laugh at a good joke. I want enough of joy that the depressed begins to change when I come in the room. Come on, somebody. I just don't want wisdom and knowledge so I can make good decisions. I want to be there as God brings the opportunity that I can help other people reach their destiny. But so many people, they don't wait because of the patient factor with the pause and find out what God wants. They'll get a little bit of a direction or a little bit of a desire or a little bit of determination and they run off and say, and God will always do the process, even at the level of success, and saying, hey, do you remember me? Yes. He even told his people, listen, after you've built your great houses, don't forget it was I that gave you power to get wealth. Right. Do you want to keep following me? Yes. Do you want to go farther? Yes. You, you started at ankle deep and now you're knee deep. And that, praise God for knee deep, but do you want to go deeper? Do you want to go farther? This is just not for someone getting saved. This is for the mature Christian. How deep do you want to go with the things of God? How deep do you want to go with the ministry of God? How deep do you want to go with your destiny with God? You can wait till you get to heaven or you begin to say, Father God, I thank you for where I've been, but I know there's deeper waters for me. I know there's deeper waters for me. I know I've reached a lot of people, but there's deeper waters for me. I know that you've helped me, and I'm so thankful, and I'm so grateful. Church, I am so, I can't, it's a spiritual thing that God's placed in my heart. I am literally so grateful for what God's doing in your life at, at Hope Church. But I'm telling you, I know there's deeper waters. I know there's more people we can see get saved. I know there's more people that need to be delivered. I know there's more people that need to be healed. I know there's more people that need to get saved. I know there's more people that need to be fed. I know there's more people that need to be encouraged. There's deeper waters. I can't get comfortable with where we've been. I gotta take my foot off the past and it was a great step there. But I'm saying, God, where are you taking us for the next season? Oh God, who do you want us to reach for the next season? Oh God, I thank you, I thank you. I thank you for what you're doing, but we can't stop where we're at. Let's get so hungry for God that we can be grateful for the blessing, for the career, for the success, but also say, Lord, I thank you for it, but I know this is not the end of it. He has not created you to be average or to be subjective to the world system. He's called you to be a light in a dark world, to shine, to impact, to make a difference. There's more. There's more in God's plan. There's more in God's plan. There's more in God's plan. Quit letting the devil sell you short. It's not over. You're not done. It's not finished. Your last mistake, repent, get up, get going. God has much more in store for you. Hallelujah! 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 
Listen, I'm not interested in building a Greg Bruce kingdom. I'm interested in building the kingdom of God. That means men and women who are so fired up, who are so involved, who are so, are you listening to me, that have got the heart of God that you are going through and you are shaking your world. You are making an impact. You are bringing destiny. You are bringing eternity into your world so that it will be said like it was. I'm a firm believer. What God started is not the high point. We will end on a greater note than we started. And at the beginning, the end is always better. The end is always better. The end is always better. Again, Proverbs 4, the path of the righteous shines brighter. I'm telling you, what his first miracle was he took water and turned it into wine. And one of the things that the guy said who was experiencing it, one of the things the guy said who was tasting it, wow, usually they bring out the best at the beginning and they serve the weakest at the end. That's not God's way. He doesn't serve the weakest in his plan at the end. He serves the greatest at the end. He serves the best. He said, your, your God, he brought out the best and waited to the end. I'm telling you, church, we are in the last day. Just don't listen with your ears right now. Touch it in your heart. We are in the last of the last days. He's reserved you. You are the best of the best. You are rising up, not based on where you've been or who you are in your situation, but on the solution of God's destiny for your life. And let it be said of us, as it was of the disciples, they have turned the world upside down. My God! We have set the standards so low in the church world. That we applaud, don't get me wrong, sin is not unacceptable, but we have applauded the standard of finding men and women of God who haven't blown it up with adultery or with fornication or some other level of sin. Well, they're good because they haven't done anything. Well, praise God, and that shouldn't be acceptable. Don't misunderstand me. But we have lowered the standard. Oh, they're great men and women, great woman or man of God because they haven't done anything horrible. Since when is that the standard? Am I saying that preachers or ministers should be allowed to commit adultery? Heck no, absolutely not. Are you listening to me? But that should be a standard way below, not just preachers. That should be the standard way below the saints. Our goal is not we didn't do something bad. And listen, listen, if you've done something bad, repent, 1 John 1, 9. Don't let the devil condemn you. Repent and he'll forgive you and cleanse you. In Romans 8, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. So I'm not condemning anybody. I'm not condemning anybody. But sometimes we build whole organizations around a standard. And our standard is let's keep everybody happy and let's not do anything wrong. Since when is that the standard? Let the standard be starting from this day if it hadn't been before. Let the standard in your life be of such nature that you will not live a life that is acceptable to everybody. That is conformable to the world system. Let it be said that you are a man or woman of God that has shaken your world, that has turned the world upside down, that you cannot be denied, that you cannot be ignored, that you cannot be forgotten. Let heaven ring with the sound of your obedience of what God is doing in your life. Woo, my God.
We've set the bar so low. You think my bar is, and again, I have no plans or no interest in doing any of that other junk. But do you think my bar, I wake up and say, ooh, let me see if I try not to commit adultery. That's not the bar. My bar is okay, Father. What do you want me to do today? I am your servant. You speak, and I'm here to put into action your plans. I'm not here for my glory. I'm here for your glory. I've come to do your bidding. You tell me to speak, and I'm going to speak. You tell me to stand, and I'm going to stand. You tell me to reach. Oh, God, use me to make a difference in my world. We have lowered the level so down dirt level. We've, re whoa, whoa, I got a higher step. Some of us are just about what God can give us. And God wants you to have stuff. But if that's your level of mark, you're missing it. Why don't we raise that bar? Oh, oh God, let me live a life. Wherever you're at today, let me live a life. Let the last years of my life be greater than the accumulation. Are you listening to me, child of God? I don't care if you're 90 years old and you only got six months to live and only the Father knows. Begin to pray. God, let the last part of my life be greater than all of the years combined. How about that for prayer? How about that for prayer? Oh, God, I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm praying. I'm using my faith. Let the future be greater than all the years combined behind me. Hallelujah! Church, how deep do you want to go in the things of God? How deep do you want to go? How deep do you want to go? How deep do you want to go? Now, some people, they just want to stay on the bank, and that's between them and Jesus, and we'll love them anyway. But I believe that this church is filled with people that are like, I just don't want to go to church. I want to be the real church in a real world every day of my life. I want to be the arms of Jesus, the hands of Jesus. I want to be the feet of Jesus. I want to be the voice. I want to do what God wants me to do. I want to be a part of the body. I want to do, I'm not here for my own fame or claim. I'm not here to impress people. I'm here to do what God wants me to do. And Lord, I want my life to so represent you. Let them say when they see you, just like they did in Acts. They noticed, they recognized when they were trying to attack them. They recognized these people have been with Jesus. Instead of today, these people have a good social network marketing. We need people that have been with Jesus. We need to be with Jesus. Are you listening to me? We need people that say, listen, what's most important to me is I'm coming to make a, listen. Don't set the line of, oh, I'm just going to try to fly under the radar so the devil doesn't see me. I'm going to run. No, I'm not saying that there's a demon under every rock. But you need to realize that he's under your feet. You don't wake up and say, where are you, devil? But you just do what God tells you to do. And if he shows up and go, oh, there you are. You've been hiding. <laughs> he works in darkness. Amen. When light comes, he can't. He's got to flee. How deep do you want to go, church? How deep? Isaiah 119, those who are willing and obedient will eat the good of the land. How deep do you want to go? Malachi 3, we talk about tithes and offerings here, but we miss some of the bigger picture. It says, if you obey me, I will pour out a blessing. There's not room enough to contain it. In the original text, if you look at that in Hebrew, it's literally in one, the Aramaic says it this way too. If you look at the original text, you can also read it as, I will pour out a blessing until you say it is enough. God will not drag you into the next level of glory. God will not drag you into the next level of blessing. God will not drag you into his presence. He will not drag you. He compels you. He invites you. But you got to be hungry. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they are the ones to be filled. 
Matthew 5, 16. Jeremiah 33, 3. Call unto me and I will show you great and mighty things that you know not. How deep do you want to go? How deep? It's an open door. He invites you. But in the journey, remember, there's pauses. It is not to punish you. It's not to hold you up. It's to say, okay, Lord, I'm sensing a pause. Even in the services, there's a pause. He can only take you as far as you'll let him take you. Because it's the deciding of the people, just not deciding of me or the Holy Spirit. How deep do you want to go in a meeting? How far do you want to go in the word? How, do you, how deep do you want to go in the moment? Well, I got to get home. Thank you, sound people. I got to go eat lunch. Well, that's fine. That's between you and Jesus. How deep? I believe we've got a church full of people that are hungry for the things of yes. God. Hungry. If you're hungry to go deeper, lift your hands. I'm going to pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, for every person with their hands raised. Father, I thank you. 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 We are lifting our hands in surrender and saying, Lord, we thank you for where you've brought us. But we want our future to be brighter for the kingdom of God, for the glory of God. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Right now, by the anointing of your Holy Spirit, let that power, let that anointing just fall on your people. Just not for this moment, just not for an experience, but a change. Thank you for your desire. Thank you for direction. Thank you for determination. Thank you for demonstration in the lives of your people today. And like we prayed earlier, let it be said of these people who are listening right now that they have turned their world upside down in the kingdom of God for the glory of God. Made a difference that cannot be denied. And we give you praise. And everyone said, Amen. Everyone shouted. Amen. Everyone shouted. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. We're going to end right here. God bless you. We love you. See you next week. Invite somebody to church. You'll be glad you did. God bless you.